0: you all and welcome. You are listening to Box of Books. In this episode, I will read the third chapter of Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery. If you remember what happened in last week's episode, Matthew Cuthbert rode his buggy down to the train station to pick up their little orphan boy. But as he got there, he found out that instead of a boy, Mrs. Spencer had dropped off a little red-haired girl who's extremely talkative. As they drove home, Matthew Cuthbert dreaded telling the little girl she must go back to the orphan asylum. We can can figure out what happens next in Chapter 3, Marilla Cuthbert is Surprised. Marilla came briskly forward as Matthew opened the door, but when her eyes fell on the odd little figure in the stiff, ugly dress with the long braids of red hair and the eager, luminous eyes, she stopped short in amazement. "'Matthew Cuthbert! Who's that?' she ejaculated. "'Where's the boy?' "'There wasn't any boy,' said, said Matthew wretchedly. "'There was only her.' He nodded at the child, remembering that he had never asked her name. "'No boy! But there must have been a boy,' insisted Marilla. "'We sent word to Mrs. Spencer to bring a boy.' "'Well, she didn't. She brought her. "'I asked the stationmaster, and I had to bring her home. "'She... She couldn't be left there, no matter where the mistake had come in. Well, this is a pretty piece of business," business, ejaculated Marilla. During this dialogue, the children had the child had remained silent. Her eyes roving from one to the other, all the animation fading out of her face. Suddenly, she seemed to grasp the full meaning of what had been said. Dropping her precious carpet bag, she sprang forward a step and clasped her hands. "'You don't want me,' she cried. "'You don't want me because I'm not a boy. I might have expected it. Nobody ever did want me. I might have known it all was all too beautiful to last. I might have known nobody really did want me. Oh, what shall I do? I'm going to burst into tears.' Burst into tears she did. Sitting down on the chair on a chair by the table, flinging her arms upon, out upon it and burying her face in them, she proceeded to cry stormily. Marilla and Matthew looked at each other, de- depreciatingly, across the stove. Neither of them knew what to say or do. Finally, Marilla st- stepped lamely into the breach. Well, well, there's no need to cry so about it. Yes, there is need. The child raised her head quickly, revealing a tear-stained face and trembling lips. You would cry, too, if you were an orphan had come and had come to a place you thought was going to be home and found out that they didn't want to, you because you weren't a boy. Oh, this is the most tragical thing that ever happened to me. Something like a reluctant smile, rag- rather rusty from long disuse, mellowed Marilla's grim expression. Well, don't cry anymore. We're not going to turn you out of doors tonight. You'll stay here until we investigate this affair. What's your name? The child hesitated for a moment. Will you please call me Cordelia? She asked eagerly. Call you Cordelia? Is that your name? No, but it's not exactly my name, but I would love to be called Cordelia. It's such a perfectly elegant name. I don't know what on earth you mean. If... If Cordelia, If Cordelia isn't your name, what is? Anne Shirley reluctantly faltered forth the owner of that name. But oh, please do call me a Cordelia. It can't matter much to you what you call me if I'm only going to be here a little while, can, can it? And Anne is such an unromantic name. Unromantic fiddlesticks, said the um, unsympathetic Marilla. Anne is a really good, plain, sensible name. You've no need to be ashamed of it. Oh, I'm not ashamed of it, explained Anne. I only like Cordelia better. I've always imagined that my name was Cordelia, At last, I have of late years. When I was young, I used to imagine it was Geraldine, but I like Cordelia better now. But if you call me Anne, could please call me Anne, spelled with an E? What difference does it make how it's spelled, asked Morella with a Another rusty smile as she picked up the teapot. Oh, it makes such a difference. It looks so much nicer. When you hear a name pronounced, can't you always see it in your mind? Just as if it were was printed out. I can. and A-N-N looks dreadful, but A-N-N-E looks so much more distinguished. If only you'll call me Anne, spelled with an E, I shall try to reconcile myself to not being called Cordelia. Very well, then. Anne, spelled with an E, could you tell us how this mistake came to be made? We sent word to Mrs. Spencer to bring us a boy. Were there no boys in the asylum? "'Oh, yes, there was an abundance of them. "'But Mrs. Spencer said distinctly "'that you wanted a girl about 11 years old. "'And the matron said she thought I would do. "'I don't... "'You don't know how delighted I was. "'I couldn't sleep all last night for joy.' "'Oh,' she added reproachfully, turning to Matthew, "'why didn't you tell me at the station "'that you didn't want me and leave me there?' If I hadn't seen the White Way of Delight and the Lake of Shining Waters, it wouldn't be so hard. What on earth does she mean, demanded Marilla, staring at Matthew. She's just referring to co- some conversation we had on the road, said Matthew hastily. I'm going out to put the mare in, Marilla. Have tea ready when I come back. Did Mrs. Spencer bring any anybody over beside you, continued Marilla when Matthew had gone out. She brought Lily Jones for herself. Lily is only five years old, and she is very beautiful. She has nut brown hair. If I was very beautiful and had nut brown hair, would you keep me? No, we want a boy to help Marilla, help Matthew on the farm. On the farm, a girl would be of no use to us. Take off your hat. I'll lay it on your b- and your bag on the hall table. Anne took off her hat meekly. Matthew came back presently, and they s- sat down to supper. But Anne could not eat. In vain, she nibbled on the bread and butter and pecked at the crab apple preserve out of the little scalloped glass dish by her plate. She did not really make any headway at all. "'You're not eating anything,' said Marilla sharply, eyeing her as if it were a serious shortcoming. Anne sighed. "'I can't. I'm in the depths of despair. Can you eat when you are in the depths of despair?' Never been in the depths of the of despair so I can't say responded Marilla weren't you well did you ever try to imagine you were in the depths of despair? No, I didn't then I don't think you can understand what it's like it's very it's very uncomfortable feeling indeed when you try to eat a lump when you try to eat a lump comes right up in your throat and you can't swallow anything not even if it was a chocolate caramel. I had a chocolate caramel once two years ago and it was simply de- delicious. I've often dreamed since then that I had lo- a lot of chocolate chocolate caramels, but I always wake up just when I'm going to eat them. I do hope you won't be offended because I can't eat. Everything ex- is extremely nice, but still I cannot eat. I guess she's tired, said Matthew, who hadn't spoken since he returned from the barn. Best put her to bed, Marilla. Marilla had been wondering where Anne should be put to bed. She had prepared a couch in the kitchen chamber for the desired and expected boy, but although it was neat and clean, did not seem quite the thing to put a girl there somehow. But the spare room was out of the question for such a straight wave, so there remained only the east gable room. Marilla lighted a candle and told Anne to follow her. Which Anne spiritly, spiritlessly did, taking her ha- hat and carpet bag from the hall table as she passed. The hall was fearsomely clean. The little gable chamber in which she pr- presently found herself s- seemed still cleaner. Marilla set the candle on the on a three-legged, three-cornered table and turned down the bedclothes. "I suppose you have a nightgown," she questioned. Anne nodded, yes, I have two. The matron of the asylum made them for me. They're fearfully skimpy. They're, there is never enough to go around in an asylum. Things are always skimpy, at least in a poor asylum like ours. I hate skimpy nightdresses, but one can dream just as well in them as the, in lovely trailing ones with frills around the neck. That's one consolation. Well, undress as quick as you can and go to bed. I'll come back up in a few minutes for the candle. I didn't trust you to put it out yourself. You'd, you'd likely set the place on fire. When when Marilla had gone, Anne looked at her wistfully. The whitewashed walls were so painfully bare and staring at the... and staring that she thought they must ache over their own bareness. The floor was bare too, except for a round braided mat in the middle of... In the middle, such as Anne had never seen before, in one corner was a bed, a high, old-fashioned one, with four dark, low-turned posts. In the other corner was a aforesaid a three-cornered table adorned with a fat, red velvet pincushion hard enough to turn the point of the most adventurous pin. Above it hung a little six-by-eight mirror. Midway between the table and the bed was the window, with an icy white Muslim frill over it, and opposite it was the white the wash stand. The whole apartment was of a rigidity not to be described in words, which, but which sent a shiver into the very marrow of Anne's bones. With a sob, she hastily discarded her garments, but the skimpy nightgown, put on the skimpy nightgown, and sprang into bed, where she buried her face downward into the pillow and pulled the nightclothes pulled the clothes over her head when marilla came up for the ver- for the light various skimby articles of raiment scattered them most untidily over the floor and certain temp- tempest n- appearance of the bed were the only indications of any persons save her own she deliberately picked up Anne's clothes placed them neatly on a prim yellow chair and then taking up the candle went over to the bed good night she said a little awkwardly but not too unkindly anne's white face and big eyes appeared over the bedclothes with a startling suddenness how can you call it a good night when you know it must be the very worst night i've ever had she said reproachfully then she dived down into into invisibility again Wah. Marilla went slowly down to the kitchen and proceeded to wash the supper dishes. Matthew was smoking, a sure sign of perturbation of mind. He seldom smoked, for Marilla set her face against it as a filthy habit, but at certain times and seasons he felt driven to it, and then Marilla winked at the practice, realizing that a mere man must have some vent for his emotions. Well, this is a pretty kettle of fish, she she said wrathfully. This is what comes of sending word instead of going ourselves. Richard Spencer's folks have twisted the message somehow. One of us would have to drive over and see Mrs. Spencer tomorrow, that's certain. This girl has to be sent back to the asylum. Yes, I suppose so, said Matthew reluctantly. You suppose so? Don't you know it? Well, now she's a real nice thing, Marilla. It's kind of a pity to send her back when she's so set on staying here. Matthew Cuthbert, you don't mean to say we think, you think we ought to keep her. Marla's astonishment could not have been greater if Matthew had expressed a predilection for standing on his head. Well now, I suppose not, not exactly, stammered Matthew, uncomfortably driven into a corner for his precise meaning. I suppose we could hardly be expected to keep her. I should say not. What good would she be to us? We might be some good to her, said Matthew, suddenly and unexpectedly. Matthew Cuthbert, I believe, that the, the, I believe that child has bewitched you. I can see as plain as plain that you want to keep her. Well, she's a real interesting little thing, persisted Matthew. You should hear her talk. You should have heard her talk coming from the station. Oh, she can talk fast enough. I saw that that at once. It's nothing in her favor either. I don't like children who have so much to say. I don't... I don't want an orphan girl if she... If I didn't... If I did, she isn't the style I'd pick out. There's something I don't understand about her. No, she's got to be dispatched straight away back to home back to where she came from. I could hire a French boy to help me, said Matthew, and she'd be company for her you. I'm not suffering for company, said Marilla shortly, and I'm not going to keep her. Well now, it's just as you say it, of course, Marilla. Matthew rising and putting her his pipe away, I'm going to bed. To bed meant went Matthew, and to bed when she and to bed when she had put her dishes away, went Morella frowning most resolutely, And upstairs in the East Gable, a lonely, heart-hungry, friendless child cried herself to sleep. I hope you have been enjoying this book as much as I have. I'll see you next week for the, to hear the fourth chapter. Thank you for listening. Bye! Keep reading!